Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, we are going to continue our series and conclude our series today called The Church, which is a three-part series where we've been looking at what it means for the church to belong, having a culture of belonging. Jesus came for those that were rejected, and that includes you and me. He became a friend of sinners. While we were far from God, He came. We talked about that week one. Week two, we talked about what it means to believe and the importance of believing. If we're going to behave right, we need to believe right. And this is a real important part of our series because unless we believe right, we'll never behave correctly. And we spoke about believing and what that means for us as a church. The fact that we don't believe in something, that we believe in someone. We talked about the fact that there's no such thing as unbelief. Every one of us believes something. You know that? There's actually, it's actually the wrong use of the word unbelief. Everyone believes something. People say, I don't believe in God. Well, that's a belief. You believe, in, you believe there is no God. That's a belief. The question is not whether um, it's you believe or not. The question is, are you believing right or wrong? Yeah. And we need to believe rightly. And that's what this series is about. It's about moving us from just being strangers of God to belonging and and getting to know Him that we might believe right in order that it may affect and change our behaviour. Because in order for us to behave right, we need to first believe right. And that's what I want to speak about today. And we've been very intentional with the order of this particular series because I believe church is a place where we can believe before, sorry, belong before we believe and believe before we behave. That's true New Testament Christianity. Religion says it the other way around. Religion says you've got to behave a certain way. You've got to look a certain way. You've got to do a few things. You've got to jump through some hoops. And when you do all of that, then we can work on your believing. And when your believing's right, then you can belong to this elite club called the church. That's religion. And that's what Jesus came to smash to smithereens. He came that we might belong. And He went to the pubs and He went to the clubs and He he hung around with people and the people loved Him. The religious people hated Him, but the people loved Him. While we were still sinners, He came, belonged. And then he started teaching and and it changed the way people thought. It changed what they believed. And out of a love relationship with him, it changed the way they behaved. And I I believe this is New Testament Christianity. And we're going to look at what it means to behave today. Because you cannot have a behavioural change without a belief change. And and so I I want to go some ways today in in re-engineering our thinking when it comes to what we believe about what we behave. Because behaving has a bad connotation generally. We kind of tend to think of certain things when we think of behaving. When we think of behaving, we think about, I've got to do the right thing, don't we? When we think about behaving, we think, I better do the right thing. And we try and walk this tightrope of a life called Christianity. And Christianity is not about walking a line, it's about living a life. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full, not walk a line. And we think about behaviour, oh, I've got to do the right thing. And we're like, you know, trying to convince the world that Christianity is awesome. You know, got to be at church, got to give a tenth of my income, 
can't swear. Whoa! I actually almost filmed then, that's why I did that. And I gotta make sure my hair's just the right length and and you know. We, hey, come, this is fun. Christianity is awesome. Come on. And people are watching and saying, man, if that's Christianity, forget it. I'd rather go to the super loop. And to be honest, if Christianity was this, I'd rather go to the Superloop. And I'm not even into cars, but I'd rather go there than do this. So when we talk about behaviour, I'm not talking about doing the right thing. Just, oh, really? And it gets better. I'm not here even to talk about not doing wrong things. Because that's what we think of when we think of behaving. I've got to do the right things and I've got to make sure I don't do the wrong things. And when we try to live a life based upon this line of what is right and what is wrong, Christianity gets really tense. Christians have faces that look like the back end of a cat. And if you don't know what I mean by that, just grab a cat, lift its tail and you'll you'll see see something like this. Just, not that I've ever done that. That's just weird. It's just weird. But, but seriously, Christianity is not meant to be that serious and that strict. It's not about walking a line. It's about living a life. Jesus Christ came to run of life and have it to the full. Jesus was in the pubs and clubs helping people to understand that there's a better way. And yet at the same time, He never got drunk. He never lowered His standard. He never became like the people but He showed them a better way. And it wasn't this way. He showed them something different. He showed them something better. And so in order for us to truly behave right, we need to rethink what behaving actually is. And it's not just about doing the right thing and it's not about not doing the wrong thing. I hate the fact that church is often known as a place of what it doesn't do. Our Christians, they don't smoke, they don't swear, they don't wear skirts that are too short, they don't have fun. You know, we don't want to be known for what we don't do. We actually want to be known for what we do as well. And so we've got to rethink and re-engineer our thinking when it comes to what is true biblical behaving really all about. And the Bible is very clear that behaving is not about rules and regulations. It's not about pleasing our ruler. That's not what it's about. Today is going to be a message I trust and pray that sets you free. It's not about us living a life which trying to please the ruler with all of his rules and all of his regulations. That, that's, that's not New Testament Christianity. That is religion, but it ain't New Testament Christianity. And another thing that believing is not, it's not about doing a whole heap of stuff. Oh, now I'm a Christian. I better do all these good works. And I better volunteer for this and I better volunteer for that and I better do this until we end up being burnt out and then complaining about the very thing that we said we'd serve for the rest of our lives. And I believe all these things happen and they happen far too often for my liking because we've not understood what it really means to truly behave in the first place. We've got to re-engineer our thinking. Am I making that point clear today? It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about pleasing our ruler and pleasing our leader. It's not about not doing bad things. It's not about doing a whole heap of stuff. True biblical New Testament 
believing is about a role that we play, not rules that we keep. I want you to think about this differently. When it comes to true behaving, it's more about a role that we play, not rules that we keep. In other words, every movie has actors and those actors have a role to play. Can you imagine an actor just showing up on set, standing in front of the camera and just standing there? Now he's there for a purpose. His presence is not enough. He's got a role to play. And imagine the actor saying, well, you should just be glad I'm here. And they're like, uh, no. I've just seen a couple of their honeymoon here today. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Action. No. <laughs> That's why we get married for a little bit of action. Anyway. <laughs> Might need to edit that out of the tape. But anyway. Can you imagine a director saying, well, well, well act, you've got a role to play. You're not just there to look pretty. You need you to do something. And I think sometimes we, we, we give ourselves a pat on the back. We're here, aren't we? And we replace faith with faithfulness. Faithfulness is awesome. Faithfulness will get us showing up. But we don't want to just have faithfulness at the expense of being full of faith. See, to be truly faithful is to be full of faith. And so it's not about just showing up. Thank God you're here, but we were here for a purpose. We get one shot at this thing called life. One shot. Just one shot. Let's not waste it by living in the doldrums. Let's not waste it by complaining and whinging about how life is unfair and how badly you were treated. We get one shot at this thing called life. And God is saying, action, go. I'm here. No, you are here for a purpose. You're here to fulfil a role. You're not here to keep rules and regulations. You're here to fulfil a role. Every one of you is designed on purpose for a purpose. At the heart of this church, we wanna see precious people come to know God, be part of a local church where you could find your purpose, where you could fulfil your role because your role is so important in helping others find God, find a local church and find their purpose so they can find a role in order to help others find God, plant in a local church and find their purpose. And so it goes on. So it's not about rules to keep, it's about a role that we play. And your role is really important. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, it says this, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. And Paul, forever bringing the challenge, says, Yet I urge you, brothers and sisters, to do it more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life that you should mind your own business. It's amazing people get involved in people's business on social media. Like, who are you? And what would you know about the situation? Mind your own business. And work with your hands, just as we told you to, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, so that you will not be dependent on anyone. We, we do, we have, a, we have a vital role to play. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. This role, this role, sorry, is beyond us when we try and do it in our own strength. You might be inspired today, say, oh, I'm gonna do, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the right thing. I hear what Tony says, it's not about doing the right thing, but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the right thing. And we're going to miss what I'm actually talking about. Because if you try to do the right thing, 
let's be honest, most of us have tried to do the right thing. And guess what happens? We let ourselves down. We not only let others down, but we let ourselves down. Can, can we be honest this morning? We let ourselves down, let alone others. We do. Paul says it in Romans chapter 7 this way. He says, why is it that I do what I don't want to do? Who's ever felt that? I'm going to be a really good wife today. I'm going to be a really good husband today. I'm going to be the best dad in the world today. And I'm going to watch my temper and I'm going to graciously help them with their homework. I'm not going to lose my temper. And you sit down and it starts so well for five minutes. And after 10 minutes, you're like, Five plus seven. Paul goes on to say, but why is it that I actually do what I don't want to do? What, what is that? Please don't tell me the Bible is boring, untrue and irrelevant. I mean, this is Paul just pouring his heart out. But he also gives the secret of his success. He gives us the secret of what it is to truly behave in a biblical manner. And it's not through us trying to do the right thing. And it's not through us trying not to do the wrong thing. He says, oh, but thanks be to God who gives us a victory through Jesus. Thanks be to God who gives us a victory through Jesus. You see, the gospel is not saying, here's the standard, now live up to it. Here's our perfect example, Jesus now. Now live up to what Jesus did. The Bible's not saying that. That is not the gospel, that's religion. The gospel is saying, Here's the standard. Now live out of that. We've yet, we, 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 we were struggling in our own strength. Christianity is about us surrendering our life to God and giving our life to another. It's about us giving our life to Jesus. Now we live out of Him. It was Jesus who was perfect. It was Jesus who was tempted and tested in every way as we are and yet did not sin. And so as we live out of His strength, His presence, His life, we find that we can do what we couldn't otherwise do. We're not living up to a standard, we're living out of a standard. 25 years we've been going as a church and I'm a really impatient person. How do you do that? I, I would love to tell you I'm more patient today. I'm just not. I'm really not. I'm an impatient person by nature and that doesn't change. But thanks be to God who gives me the victory through Christ Jesus. I, I find I've got this legacy of patience. And it's no boast of mine. Every time I set out to be patient, I'm going to be patient, I'm going to be patient. Ah! I get, I get impatient with my lack of patience. But when I said, Jesus, no one was more patient than you. I, I need help in this area. Paul had a thorn in his flesh, did he not? And he said three times he pleaded to get rid of that thorn in his flesh. We don't know what that thorn was, but I believe that thorn represents the thing in your life that you're struggling with. And we never read that that thorn was ever removed from Paul's life. Maybe it was impatience. Maybe it was a person. Maybe it was a physical sickness, physical ailment. I don't know. But it was something that Paul hated and wanted gone. And it never went. And Paul says, what you need is not the absence of a thorn. You need the presence of me. And Paul had this revelation, oh my gosh, it's far better to have the grace of God in my life than the absence of the thorn. And Paul learned an invaluable lesson that the grace of God 
is sufficient for me. Our behaviour will change when we behold the one who can change us. You see this, I know, you always become what you behold. What do I mean by that? Have you ever been driving your car and seen an accident? And you become focused on the accident, not where you're going. Have you, have you noticed anything? Oh, I wonder what happened. I wonder who's hurt. I wonder how badly they're hurt. I wonder if any kids are involved. And then all of a sudden you look up and oh, you almost have an accident. Maybe some of you actually did have an accident. Even the police are aware that often when there's an accident, there's usually another accident because people are focusing on the accident. That's what I mean. You become what you behold. If you focus on the accident, you have an accident. You always become what you behold. I know there are people who try to break bad habits and, and, and I've seen this over many years, people wanting to overcome certain addictions. Maybe it's smoking. And, and I've seen, I, I, I'm not gonna smoke. Smoking's unhealthy. Smoking's bad for you. I, I've seen the ads and, and those horrible ads with the gangrenous toes and, and I'm not gonna smoke because I don't want gangrene toes and I'm not gonna smoke because, you know, and we've seen these, these horrible heart adverts. And I, I don't want a bad heart. I'm not gonna smoke. I'm not gonna smoke. I'm not gonna smoke because I don't want this thing. And I don't want, what are we focusing on? Not smoking. So what do we do? We end up smoking. Because that's what we're beholding. The answer to overcoming addictions is not focusing on what you want to overcome. It's focusing on a new you. A new future. It's us focusing on the one who can help us. People ask me often, how do I keep leading a church? Because I don't know if you know this. Senior pastors leading a church for 20 plus years, let alone 25 years, is not commonplace. There's a lot of burnout that can happen. And I'll tell you why, because of people. People can be beautiful, but they can be really cruel. They can be beautiful and brutal. They can be brutal. I mean, really, people can. And we've had some incredible moments over 25 years and we've had some really down moments had to deal with some really serious issues and, and serious accusations. And, and, and I promise you this, if I focus on that stuff, I wouldn't be here today. Here's the secret of me being around after 25 years. I know this to be true, you become what you behold. And I don't want to become a burnout victim. I don't want to become a tragedy. My wife doesn't deserve that. My kids certainly don't deserve that. There's so much that's gone on in the life of our church over 25 years, kids ain't got a clue about. They don't need to know. It's not their business. What they need to know is, hey, kids, Jesus loves you and so do I. And on my best day, oh, sorry, on my best day, they need to know that Jesus is wonderful. And on my worst day, they need to know that Jesus is wonderful. And when I'm being praised by the masses, they need to know Jesus is wonderful. I'm gonna let you down. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Dad's good, but he's not that good. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And when I'm being attacked and slandered and, and, and people have got opinions, you know what? Jesus is wonderful. That doesn't change. Doesn't change. And I want your focus today to be not on me. I'll let you down. Not on this church. It'll let you down. Let our focus be Christ. We have a role to play. It's not a line to walk, it's a life to live. We have a role to play, not rules to keep. And that 
role for us as believers is to make things beautiful. Jesus came into our mess, injected Himself and made our lives beautiful. I don't have one of those elaborate testimonies, sex, drugs, rock and roll. I lived a fairly sheltered life, but I knew that I was broken. I was separated from God. And the miracle He did for me is as big and as great as anyone else's testimony out there. He took this young kid with all his insecurities and injected his life into my life and took my ugliness, my shame, my guilt, my pain, my hurt and made it wonderful. He's made my life wonderful. He's made my life beautiful. That was the role that He came to do to save a lost, hurting world. And He's given us the same role. And we have one shot at this life. Let's make the most of it. We have a role to make things beautiful. When I was in hospital in 2016, amidst my pain and confusion and all that stuff that was going on internally, I remember looking at these nurses and I I remember hearing some of the abuse that they were copying off some of the other patients. And and I made my opportunity just to get myself into the mix, bring something of Jesus into that situation. And I thanked every nurse on every shift for looking after me. I said these words, thank you. I'd grab their hands and I just want to say thank you for looking after me. They were shocked. It brought a little bit of beauty into their otherwise ugly day. That's our role. I could have focused on my blood. I could have focused on the pain. And that was a big part of what I had to overcome. Had to deal with at that time. But we have an opportunity to inject Jesus into every circumstance and every situation and turn ugliness and messiness into something beautiful. This is a bit different than us saying, oh, I must thank the nurses. Tony's told me to thank the nurses. I remember hearing a message. I better thank the nurses. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us injecting something of the beauty of Christ everywhere we go. Our role is to make things beautiful. Our role not only is to make things beautiful, is to make things better. Everyone say better. That's why we're here to make things better. Not complain about the way things are, but we are here to make things better. And as a church, we're committed to making our universities better. And so we've partnered with Red Frogs and and just this week at O-Week, when all the new uni students are coming in to check out university, we have our people there to make things better. Giving away pancakes, giving away drinks, giving away Red Frogs to make their first day on university better. We have people who are committed to our Street Reach program and they go down to the Salisbury train station every Friday night and they give out sausages and they give out bread and they put a little bit of sauce on with no onions because you're not allowed to do that anymore. (laughs) So we're godly and smart. We're godly and abiding by the law. It's just amazing. But we make people's lives better. That's what we do. It's not about, oh, now we've got to do the Street Reach program. Got to fill my life. I'm already busy life with more busy stuff to do. That's not the point. We want to make people's lives more beautiful. My role as a husband to my wife, I want her to be a more beautiful woman than when I first met her. She was a a sexy young teenager that I fell madly in love with. And I I don't want her to be a haggard old 50 year old because of my leadership. I wanna take that sexy little teenager, marry her and give her the best life possible. 
I want her life to be better for being around me, not worse. And, and so under God, I've tried my best and she's different than me. I've already mentioned that. But under God, I've been able to lead her, love her and God. And she's a strong woman. She has not lost her strength because of my strength. She's become a stronger woman. She's blessing people this morning, preaching something that she never wanted to do and never said she would do. Just be careful. Those of you who say, I'll never preach. Just be careful. Who knows? And so today we have a better version of Kath because that's one of my roles. And I'd like to think I'm a better version of me because of what she's injected into my life. That's how it works. This is called Christianity, which is a far cry from religion. We're here to make things beautiful. We're here to make things better. And we're here to make things believable. The the trouble is we say we believe something, but the way we live our lives, people don't believe us because our lives aren't believable. But we have an opportunity to make things believable. And one of the greatest ways we have an opportunity to make things beautiful is when things aren't going well. That's why I so loved 2016, because it gave us an opportunity as a church to showcase to the world to showcase to the community what it is to handle adversity, what it is to find God when you have no answers. And I thank God that my testimony has gone around the world of what we as a church did and how we handled ourselves. And we've become a role model church. And the message of Jesus has become that much more believable because we stayed the course, we didn't give up, we didn't give in. It's not an easy year. I hear some people say, oh, I've had a tough year. I said, tell me what happened. Like, really? Wow. And you have to empathise because it's all relative. So you say, wow, that's, man, well, you know, we're praying for you. But when I think about what we faced that year, I think about what we faced as a church with the loss of our youth pastor through being struck by lightning, unusual circumstances, having to find a replacement, young couple, Dan and Ashari, step in the gap. And then two months later, my wife finds lumps where there shouldn't be lumps. And now we're back to the doctors again. Dealing with cancer stuff. Wasn't kind of how I saw 2016 going. And then in April, Mitchie breaks his hand. And I'm just like, man, seriously, Mitch? And that's not as big a deal, I know, I know. But when he was a kid, I said, to Kath, I said, confidently, he'll never break his arm. And the reason I was so confident that he'd never break an arm is because when he was a kid, he always landed on his head. <laughs> and so he'd have cuts here, cuts there. We took him to the hospital many times, stitches. But I said, hey, babe, at least he'll never break an arm. For some reason, he would never put his hand out. I don't know if he's just slow. <laughs> like, seriously, who does that? I mean, like, really, come on. But he'll never break it up. But in 2016, Mitchie was back in hospital three times in four months in hospital. And I remember getting our wind and thinking, okay, whew, we can go forward on that. Come on. Hey, babe, I remember holding Kath. Hey, look, that's it. The, bad, the worst is behind us. Come on. We can move forward. Come on. And then in May, I get rushed to hospital. Three weeks in hospital. Me. Mr. OCD, LMNOP. I mean, I've got every letter of the alphabet. I'm just like... ADD, ADHD, seriously, you throw a letter at me, I've got it. I don't do hospitals. I don't do just doing nothing for three weeks. But there I was. Struggling to breathe. Body shutting down. 
but God was gracious. Come out of that. Ah, it's all good. Uh, Mr. Rainbow, we need to talk to you. Um, you're all good except one area of your life, one area of your body. Uh, the, blood severe, uh, the blood infection was so severe that one of the heart valves got damaged and, and you need to have heart surgery. Are you serious? And when, I, when it finally registered, okay, I'm going to have heart surgery. I'll, I'll let you know when about 75, I'll let you know. They said, no, no, this is immediate. You need it now. And so two months later, I find myself back in hospital having open heart surgery. How do you cope with all that? By not focusing on all that. What I love about 2016, that's all the stuff I hate about 2016. But what I love about 2016, I found God. So, hang on, you were a Christian, you were leading a church. Didn't you know God? <laughs> what were you teaching? <laughs> no, I knew God. But I want to tell you, after that, I got to know Him at a whole another level. And so I look back at 2016. It's one of my best years, one of my greatest years. And I want to tell you, people's believing in God went to another level. Being able to stand up before you after 25 years, with some of that, that's just one year. I could go year after year to some of the stuff. But it's not going to focus on it. I've been told this my whole life. It's all right for you. And it actually is. And it can be all right for you. It just depends where your focus is. What are you going to focus on? And more importantly, who are you going to focus on? If you focus on me, you'll be let down and disappointed. I tell our kids, I, I know my kids love me, but don't focus on me. I'm not your Saviour. I didn't die for you. I can't save you. You've got to have your personal dynamic intimate relationship with Jesus. You can't live that through me. And I point them to Jesus. And Sunday by Sunday, what I'm doing, church, is pointing you to Jesus. I'm not your answer. I have the answer and the answer is Him. You need Him. You don't need me, you need Him. I'm happy to hear to tell you about Him, but you need Him. You need a loving, dynamic relationship. And that's why we belong to a local church so that we can continue to stay on course Continue to stay focused and have a place, a safe place to bring people to. When we talk about behaviour, we're not talking about rules and regulations. We're not talking about walking a line. We're talking about living a life. We're not talking about keeping rules. We're talking about playing a role, a significant role, a vital role, a role that's going to change your life and it's going to change the lives of others. I'm grateful for that punk of a kid, 18 years of age, when I, I kind of mapped out my life. I said, when I'm 50, because 50 seemed like a, years away, and it was, but here I am. And, and I wanted three things in my life. I, I wanted the body of a young man. I wanted the spirit, uh, wisdom of an older man. And I wanted the spirit of a godly man. I wasn't going to let anyone or anything rob me of my relationship with God. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how good it gets. I don't care how successful I am. I don't care what a failure I am. I am not going to allow my heart to be corrupted by people. You behold, you become what you behold. And I, I would love it if we could make the shift in us. And once we've made the shift in us, our role this week is to help people make that shift. Say, hey, can I say this lovingly? This would be a great conversation to get into. You know, I've heard you and I hear you, but can I, can I say this lovingly? Here's your problem. You focus on the wrong thing. That's most people's problem. They just focus on the wrong thing. Why do I do what I don't want to do that I do what I want to do that I don't want to do, et cetera, et cetera. And Paul says, ah, but thanks be to God. 
who gives us a victory. Not in trying harder, but in Christ Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 